Welcome to Financial Excellence with Game Changers, presented by SAP, helping you to run simple. Host and moderator Bonnie D. Graham talks with the experts about how game-changing technologies can help you achieve financial excellence for your company. Now, here's Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, welcome, welcome. If you want to run with the Game Changers, you're in the right place because this is where the best run. Let's see what the buzz on the street is today to introduce our topic. I have a quote from Dave Chase, Managing Partner at Advanced CFO. Listen up because this is important. He said, contrary to popular imagination, the finance world of the future will not be manned by a robot army. It will instead comprise of a team of trusted advisors in the organization using advanced tech. Wow. So, okay, all of you in the CFO office, you don't need to worry about your jobs. What does this all mean for us? Finance leaders now understand that intelligent applications, and come on, you've heard of these, you're probably or hopefully using them already, artificial intelligence, we finally call that AI, machine learning, sometimes we call that ML, the Internet of Things, that's IoT, and predictive analytics will help them improve their business processes. Why is this important? Well, you need these apps to help create levels of insight, prediction, and efficiencies that will empower finance to drive enterprise-wide growth and strategic initiatives. We talk many, many times on this series about how the Office of Finance is part of driving the business. You're the steward of the business, not just the keeper of spreadsheets, green lamps, and eye shades. No more. You need to be a business advisor to the entire enterprise. So welcome, welcome, welcome. This is Financial Excellence with Game Changers Radio. Shout out to our sponsors. We have Chris Grundy, Birgit Starmans, and Diana Heim at SAP, and I am Bonnie D. Graham. Our topic today is what makes finance intelligent. There's that word that just keeps popping up over and over and over when we talk about business and technology and enterprise, the intelligent enterprise, the intelligent technologies. And now we're going to look into what makes finance intelligent. So welcome. My two experts on the show, we've got a packed house and we only needed two for this one. We're welcoming back Nilly Asadi. She is Senior Research Director of Finance EPM and FinOps Advisory Practice. That's a long title. Billy at the Hackett Group and joining her is Jason White, Center for Excellence of for Predictive Automation and Machine Learning at SAP. Welcome to you both. Let's start out with an opening quote that Nilly sent me before the show and it's a quote from Aristotle. Nilly, in my research I discovered this has also been attributed to Seneca the Younger. I guess there was a battle a couple of hundred years apart in the BC <laughs> era for who owned this quote, but let's just go with Aristotle, a philosopher during the ancient Greek classical period period, and I'm not going to read any more of that, but he is considered the father of Western philosophy. Here's the quote. There is no genius without a touch of madness. Nilia Sadies, welcome back to Game Changers. How are you? I'm well, Bonnie. Thank you. I'm glad to be back. We're delighted. How, how can we do finance topics like this without having Nilly Asades on the panel? Nilly, you've reached way back into history to get this quote from Aristotle, but I have a feeling it has great applicability to our topic today. Nilly, how did you pick this quote? Tell me. Yes, I reached back into the past just to show um, how similar is today in the future. So that quote stands, it was very prescient and, and stands true today. And um, the, the reason I picked the quote, this particular quote, it's a little bit of a stretch, 
but I wanted to bring forth this idea that becoming more intelligent or intelligent finance requires a completely new mindset. So not necessarily madness, that's overstating the point, mm. um, but definitely a leap of faith um, in adopting emerging technology because it's still quite hard, and finance is all about numbers, uh, quite hard to make a database solid business case for embracing technologies like AI or cognitive computing, even though we know from anecdotal evidence uh, with our clients, and I'm sure everybody else, if you're using it, that it does work and it produces value. So madness stands here for a completely new mindset. Very interesting, Nilly. I I was intrigued with that because we often, well, you know, there were jokes about CPAs, people in finance, not having a sense of humor and not having these lightning bolts of of genius. And and I'm wondering if we look at some of the let's call it tried and true financial financial professionals who've been around for a long, long time, Nilly. And companies, maybe they are the CFO, maybe they're their chief. CFO chiefs officers or their their trusted advisors and they're saying, wait a minute, we've always been smart, we've always been savvy, we've always done our jobs well, and now you're telling us we have to become this new word called intelligent. Do you think that they think when our, we're having this discussion today that we've gone mad? Let's turn it around, Nilly. What do you think? <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't think they think we've gone mad. I think they understand that finance of the future is going to be quite different from what the way finance has been for the past decade, um, definitely for, even for the past five years. And it requires a new type of thinking, um, more customer-centric, more design-oriented uh, fitting the needs of the stakeholders and providing new insight, better insight, the kind of insight they could never have been, uh, have been able to provide with traditional technologies. So I think they take it for what it is. I think it is uh, certainly a move forward, especially uh, given the notion of enabling enterprise performance. It's really an outside-the-box, outside-the-function thinking mm-hmm. process. Thank you. We'll leave the madness on the table now for a minute while I turn my attention to Jason White, our other panelist today. And Jason has sent us a quote from C.S. Lewis, 1898 to 1963. C.S. Lewis is best known for his works of fiction, including the Chronicles of Narnia. I'm just going to leave it there. And here is the quote Jason has selected. True humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself Less. Jason, I love the quote. I think there's genius in there. How are you, Jason White? Good morning. Thank you for having me. Delighted. Talk to me about the quote. So, you know, C.S. Lewis is one of my favorite authors. Uh, I think, you know, he captured me uh, as a a kid, captured my imagination with the uh, the Chronicles of Narnia. Um, But then in in my high school years, I got a chance to do uh, a couple of uh, book reports. Um, and, uh, and I chose C.S. Lewis and, and actually realized that, you know, he didn't just write, uh, you know, fiction, but actually had a lot of other, uh, writings that were really interesting. And, um, and even, even the, uh, the writings, you know, the Chronicles of Narnia, there's a lot of symbolism in those, uh, in those books. And actually, if you dig real deep, um, there's some really interesting things you can learn. Um, but, uh, in terms of the quote, I, you know, I think, you know, humility is such a, uh, important 
part of um, not just being human, but also um, business. And, uh, you know, oftentimes we think of being humble as, as a sign of weakness, but uh, I think a recognition of our own human limitations or even individual limitations as we recognize those, um, our ability to, to uh, it kind of opens us up to limit, limitless opportunities to learn and grow um, and, and just, you know, improve ourselves. And let's relate that back to... take ourselves too seriously, right? Yeah, and let's relate that back to what I was talking to Nilly about a moment ago about whether the people who've been in finance for a long time are saying, wait a minute, we are smart, we are savvy, we've been doing our jobs, and now you want us to become, quote-unquote, intelligence? And do you think there's a question of humbling themselves to say, oh, my, new tech, new processes, new way of thinking, responsibilities are growing in the office of finance, in the function, and we need to settle down and learn and grow and be humble about it and stop saying, we're the greatest, we've been doing this all these years. What what do you think? (laughs) Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think, you know, there's always, uh, it doesn't matter how old we are, how much experience we have, there's always something new we can learn. And, you know, as long as we have that attitude, uh, that's going to help us because the past can help us, but it can also hurt us. You know, we, we don't, um, we don't want to get stuck in, in a uh, kind of a rut doing the same thing over and over again. Sometimes there's new approaches or new ways to, to do things more efficiently or mm-hmm. uh, more intelligently. And if we can be open to those new methods, that can complement our um, past experience instead of hindering us. Um, and and so the, the two together, the, the new approaches and our experience together can be a real powerful uh, combination. Thank you. There's a lot of optimism in what you said just right now, Jason White. Appreciate that. Great perspective. Let's get to know our panelists a little better here. I'm going to circle around. It's a small table today, just the three of us. Nilly, why don't you tell us where you are today in the world? We'd love to know what your favorite drink is that powers you. That's the in what's in your cup segment of the show or what you wish you were drinking. And tell us what you've been up to at the Hackett Group since our last meeting. Go ahead. Um, so I live and work from a home office in outside of Salem, Oregon, and we finally have beautiful weather outside after months of rain and wind. So I'm looking outside my office window and I see horses grazing and cattle grazing and a lot of you. It's quite beautiful, um, and helps me relax when things become hectic and, they are surely very hectic. I'm actually drinking, um, right now, not my favorite drink. I'm drinking, but it's very necessary. I'm drinking water. Um, I've, mm-hmm. been, I've had a lot of coffee, um, and I think I've had enough coffee, so I'm trying, <laughs> I'm trying to dilute it a little bit, and finally, you know what I'm talking about, <laughs> yes, right? I given do. your coffee situation. Yes. Um, so, um, and then what I probably would like to, and I am going to have later, I'm meeting a friend for happy hour, and I suspect that's going to be a martini uh, with extra olives, which uh, is one of my favorite drinks. Oh, my goodness. Do you have a favorite brand of, uh, of alcohol you like in your martini, Nilly? Yes, I do. We uh, try and use. Um, gin that uh, it's a gin martini and use local locally. Oregon now has a lot of distilleries, not just amazing mm. brew pubs. 
So one of the favorite ones is called Top Bottom. Big Bottom. Oh, I'm sorry. And I know it's a strange name, but Big Bottom Gym. Um, and it's really quite flavorful, and I find it better than some of the other brands that I've used. Very interesting. Big Bottom Gym. I'm, I'm going to have to look at that. Okay. Thank you. And catch us up while I'm Googling this. Catch us. I see it here. Big Bottom Whiskey, the 91 Gin Big Bottom Distilling, and it's BigBottomDistilling.com, and you can go find it there. Wow. That's uh, an interesting one, Nilly. Never heard of that one before. SipNorthwest.com also has an article on it. Thank you. Very interesting. Tell me what you've been up to at the Hackett Group. What's new with you and, and your work? Uh, things have been super exciting and at the same time quite quite uh, stressful because we're working on several big projects at the same time. We have our uh, annual event, our Best Practices Conference, where we bring together all of our clients coming up uh, May 13th. And I play a role in that. I give the finance presentation with a co-presenter. So I've been deeply engaged in creating that presentation, and it's about building the finance uh, of the future, the finance organization of the future. So it's quite applicable to our conversation today. Um, we have uh, I've been focusing a lot on the digital transformation of finance, mm-hmm. and I'll share some of that. Uh, with everyone when we get to the, yeah. if, if it makes sense during the conversation. Yes. Um, but it's been, it's been super hectic um, and I'm really enjoying, enjoying the amount of work. So that's a good thing. It's a very good thing. And, and thank you very much. Always wonderful to catch up with you, Nilly. And now let's talk to our newcomer, Jason White at SAP. Jason, same three questions. Where in the world are you today? What powers you in terms of what you like to put in your cup, either before or after work or during? And tell me what your role is at the COE, Center of Excellence for Predictive Automation and Machine Learning at SAP. Jason White, go ahead. Great. So, uh, hailing from uh, Salt Lake City, uh, we just recently moved here from Atlanta, Georgia, where I'm mm-hmm. where I'm from. Uh, my wife's actually from out here, and uh, we we traded a, a lifestyle, um, you know, for uh, indoors for some more of the outdoor activities here in Salt Lake, uh, mountain biking and snowboarding and things like that. And uh, but uh, the the thing that I um, like to drink, I, I don't uh, I don't really drink uh, alcohol or or coffee or tea, so. Um, my uh, my my drinking options are a little more boring, but I but I do like these uh, smoothies actually that I mm. get from. Uh, have you ever heard of this company called Daily Harvest? Yes, I heard of it. Daily Harvest, interesting. It's it's um, it's interesting. So what they do, uh, I just I saw an advertisement. I thought, hey, you know, I don't normally do this, but I I thought let's just try it out and see what it's like. But they essentially take all the ingredients uh, of a smoothie. And then freeze mm-hmm. them into these cups, and they don't just do smoothies; they do uh, smoothies, um, oatmeal bowls. Yes, in a cup, and then I'm on uh, their I'm on their webpage. And, it's called it's called a one cup wonder, Jason. Yeah, one yeah, cup so wonder. Order... Oh, this is fascinating. Go ahead. So, what do you do there? Yeah, so I order um, once a month. They send me in a. Um, in a box, they'll send me like 24 cups of just different, kind of their best sellers. Mm-hmm. And the smoothies are great. So you just, uh, you take the cup, it's, take it out of the freezer, um, fill it up with milk kind of to the top of the cup, dump Ooh. that in your um, your Vitamix or whatever, and then mm-hmm. blender it up and you got you got your smoothie. And 
you know, sometimes I get in a rut where um, I just eat kind of the same things over, like, you know, toast or, or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. This gets me uh, kind of a variety of different nutritious, you know, fruits and vegetables. Um, and, uh, and and it's not super expensive. They, they send it in kind of like a freeze-dried box. And uh, so it comes frozen, and then you throw it in your freezer. But uh, it saves me time. They're super delicious. And um, I've just been enjoying the uh, just the different kinds of smoothies that they have. Jason, they're gorgeous. I'm on the website, daily-dash, not the underscore, daily-harvest.com. One cup wonder, that full night's sleep energy, post-yoga bliss, feel-good glow now comes in smoothies. You'll crave morning, noon, and night, ready in seconds, blended to perfection, seriously good for you. Dreams do come true. You know, that's wonderfully written, isn't it, Jason? What great marketing copy? <laughs> what do you think? It's beautiful. I'm looking yeah, at them. They're amazing, God. too. The, the oat bowls are, like, so good. Um, you just kind of put some milk or almond milk in there and let it soak overnight, or you can throw it in the microwave in the morning, and you got this just wonderful breakfast. So, and, anyway. and their best sellers are the strawberry and peach smoothie and the mint and cacao smoothie. I might have to try this. Very interesting. So now that we've uh, now that we find out, I'm going to find out if they deliver to my zip code. I think it's time to get healthy and get that morning boost. Thank you very much. <laughs> so, Jason, I appreciate the recommendation there. We, we're not influencers here on Game Changers, but we like to learn about food and drinks and interesting things. So thank you. That was very enlightening. Jason, what do you do? What's your specialty? What, what's your role at SAP? So, yeah, predictive automation and machine learning. You know, a lot, I think a lot of business people get, uh, they, they get kind of thrown off by the, even the, the term predictive. But, um, you know, you think, you think you need like a, an eight-year degree or a Ph.D. in performance optimization in order to, to do anything on the, the predictive or data science end. But, but actually, it's, um, there's a lot of solutions out there now that make it super easy. And when I say predictive automation, I mean, you don't have to be a data scientist to uh, solve business problems with predictive automation and machine learning. And if, if you've got the business knowledge and you know how to, you know, and you're asking these questions against your business, you know, why, why is revenue going up or down or why is our margin, margin uh, shrinking? Mm-hmm. Um, Typically, so my, my role uh, is, is to go around and actually evangelize and help average business users understand how to problem solve using predictive automation techniques instead of doing it the way that they probably did it in the past where you're, you have a question, you, you, you pull up your, um, uh, some sort of visualization tool, and you, you create as many visualizations as you can to try and figure out what's, what's influencing the um, the question that you have, but um, predictive automation and, and computers can do it so much better for us. So, so you let the the computer kind of do the work, and then um, you kind of augment your own understanding of the problem with the results that you're getting back, and it can do it faster and easier and across larger larger amounts of data. So that's what I do. I just I travel around, I do hands-on workshops, and I evangelize this new way of problem solving. Thank you very much. New way of problem solving is such an interesting approach. Uh, let me just ask both of you, and then we're—I think—we're just going to keep going straight into the into the roundtable part of the show without taking a break because this is just too interesting. In terms of new way, do you think, Jason? Let me start with you, and then Nelly. Uh, Jason, do you find that 
younger people, quote unquote younger people, shall we say um, re- more recent demographic cohorts. I'm trying to be very politically correct here, Jason. Do you th- I love oh, it. God, that was hard. Do you think that they are, and Nilia, I will tell you what I'm drinking in a minute. Do you think that they are being attracted to finance instead of, oh, my uncle was a CPA. What a boring job. Do you think they're saying, wow, I get to use all this new technology and I get to be part of the business? And, and, and what do you, th- do you think it's attracting a newer, younger energy to the office of finance? And maybe we're seeing a uh, younger CFO uh, cohort these days. Jason, what are you observing? Well, I think, um, you know, a lot of, a lot of kids, uh, you know, are probably interested in what their parents do. And so if their parents are in finance, you know, they might have a little bit of a direct plug-in. Um, of course, sometimes you don't want to do what your parents do. So sometimes it's kind of, you know, kind of puts off uh, a kid and they want to do their own thing. But, uh, but yeah, I think, and especially as kids get into to college and they're, um, you know, they're taking, hopefully taking a wide array of classes to get a, a, a feel or a taste for what's out there. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, my, my thing for, for, for college was, uh, if it didn't feel like homework, I knew that was a field that I wanted to be in. Ah. And I, I think, you know, because then it just feels like fun. You're just solving a puzzle or, you know, something that you like to do. And then you're going to enjoy your work, you know, forever, right? Hopefully uh, you're going to love what you do. And I think these new techniques uh, are so much more fun than the old ways of doing things. And so I think uh, as finance organizations, as we embrace more of these emerging technologies and easier ways of doing things, um, or new way of doing things that uh, it's it's going to attract um, people that you know maybe even more people that uh, it wouldn't normally attract. Very interesting. Thank you. That's what I was looking for, uh, Nilly. What what's your thought on is finance attracting a? I'll just say a different different demographic are people who would never have dreamed when they were let's say in high school or college about entering into finance saying. This sounds like a really cool, as, as Jason just said, it sounds like fun. OMG. What do you think, Nilly? <laughs> I think I agree with Jason. And then um, I think a couple of additional thoughts. Um, we did a study looking at recruiting and retaining digital talent, which is often that demographic. And we found that in terms of recruiting and giving finance kind of a facelift or changing the mindset or the perception that finance is an old and stodgy place where you just crunch Mm -hmm. numbers, which some people may have, um, with these new technologies, we're creating a finance organization that is a lot more exciting. And one of the best ways to attract new talent is actually... um, we found was brand awareness, and that really means from a CFO finance perspective, going out there and presenting at conferences or talking on radio shows mm-hmm. or doing uh, webcasts and putting the word out there about what their finance organization really does and, and how interesting the work is and promoting finance as a very exciting, innovative place to work. So I think um, as more companies improve their finance intelligence acumen, we're going to see younger generation uh, workforce 
uh, being attracted to the possibilities that it offers. Thank you, Nilly and Jason. I have uh, a not breaking news, but I found an interesting article here by Tatiana Shumsky in the Wall Street Journal on November 29, 2017, so about a year and a half ago. And uh, here is the title. Let me just read this. It says, Stop Using Excel, Finance Chiefs Tell Staffs. Ubiquitous spreadsheet <laughs> software that revolutionized accounting has not kept up, CFOs say. Interesting. Agree or disagree? Uh, Jason, you first. you agree with that? Absolutely agree. I mean, um, you know, anybody who's kind of gotten into that world of Excel – I mean, if that's the only place you've been, then that's, you know, maybe maybe that's, you know, that's the only thing that you might know. But um, if, if you've experienced other ways of, of problem solving, it, it's hard to go back to the old way. I mean, it's really hard to, to go back to the manual way of, of um, you know, having to deal with spreadsheets and, you, you know, you, you break a formula and all of a sudden, you know, you're hunting and pecking through millions of cells, you know, trying to figure out what's going on. I mean, that, that's really not where finance needs to be spending their time. There, there's no value in troubleshooting a spreadsheet to find out why this number didn't calculate or, or why this, this cell isn't, yeah. you know, providing any, you know, the calculation's broken. We need to be spending our time, uh, we need, you know, those, those types of things should be automated and, and should be done in, you know, proper back-end systems, and then we mm-hmm. should be spending more time on actually providing value to the business, um, you know, because finance is a lot more than just numbers. It's, uh, sales and marketing might come up with a plan, and, but, but it's finance that has that kind of global perspective within the organization of how the, the sales plan is going to impact uh, the supply chain and everything down the line. So you have to have finance engaged in um, kind of that that uh, holistic view of the business and, and ensuring that everybody's kind of decisions and, and plans are, um, you know, healthy for the company and that everybody uh, is impacted in, in a positive way, right? So spending more time on, this, on the strategic uh, decision-making and not the valueless, uh, meaning, you know, meaningless tasks that you get kind of sucked the into. Mechanics. Thank you. Yeah. And we now have that ability to get past that just mechanical level of the job. Nilly, comment on this headline, and then we're going to go into the discussion statements you and Jason sent me before the show. we got some good ones here. Nilly, stop using Excel finance chiefs tell staffs. And by the way, three that were quoted in this article were, believe it or not, from P.F. Chang's China Bistro restaurant chain, ABM Industries, and Wintrust Financial Corp. Interesting, the selection of CFOs they chose for the article. Nilly, agree or disagree with that? The time has come. The time has come, and there are several issues that I think are worth mentioning, a couple of issues. One is that um, a lot of the decision support and strategic thinking is happening outside of accounting. A lot of that is in the FP&A function, um, where they do performance analysis, business analysis, and a lot of the analytics of data. And I think in that area, we do see new software, new solution emerging. Um, For example, next generation ERPs, which allow that holistic view that Jason just mentioned, and I couldn't agree more, um, and dedicated analysis and planning 
um, cloud-based solutions that overlay existing systems and allow that holistic view, but also have tools embedded in them that take advantage of new and emergent technologies like AI and cognitive. So I think the tools are out there to move beyond, um, and then mm-hmm. we see that also even in the accounting report fun- uh, area process. We see some of those tools, dedicated SaaS solutions being used. The tools are there, um, and both in accounting, but a lot of work in FP&A is no longer, it's no longer possible, actually, to run it through a spreadsheet. You need much more intelligence than that. Ah, interesting. By the way, Nilly referenced that I understand why she's drinking water because she had enough coffee. Nilly knows, and Jason, you don't know me well yet, but Nilly knows that I'm not allowed to have anything to do with caffeine on radio show days, and this is another doubleheader day for me, two in a row, actually. So I'm just allowed to drink water. It's a self-imposed restriction, Jason, but it works very, very well. By the way, I'm here in Durham, North Carolina, and this is another one of our, I think, 35 to 40 degree temperature spread days we can wake up at 36 to 40 degree days and it's going to be close to 90 today Nelly 90 here I can't I know it's it's just crazy and my plants I planted some beautiful little petunias and uh, uh, marigolds and some vincas in my front yard and they are just screaming for water already we get such heat in the summer it, it's not even summer it's still April we're we're recording the show on April 30th 2019 so it's a question of how many gardens the front the back and the inside do I have to run around with a watering can during the day to keep all the plants happy <laughs> so that's what I'm doing and that's where I am uh, just in case you're, you're tuning in, uh, this show will air in early May 2019. You'll be hearing it then. And uh, it's the air date is actually April 9th, 2019. I'm speaking with Nilia Sadies at the Hackett Group, who is a frequent guest here on Financial Excellence with Game Changers, and newcomer to the show, Jason White at SAP. We're having a very, I think, smart conversation about what makes finance intelligent. We're talking about the old way of doing things in finance, moving numbers around, and figuring out for Formulas, and now we're talking about moving into the new era of disruptive, intelligent technologies, and that's where we are in the conversation. Uh, Nilly is the Senior Research Director of Finance, EPM, and FinOps Advisory Practice at the Hackett Group, and Jason White is at the Center of Excellence for Predictive Automation and Machine Learning at SAP. And yes, I'm still Bonnie D. Graham. So let's dive into our conversational topics. My two guests sent me before the show. We still have about 20 minutes or so. So let's see if we can track a little bit uh, of what you two sent me. Nilly, I'm looking at your notes here. Here's an interesting conversation. You say, while Hackett's research shows that current smart automation adoption rates are still low, that's the main point I'm trying to make, it also reveals that finance organizations anticipate a sharp rise in the adoption rate. For example, finance executive and t- uh, t- I'm sorry, finance executives anticipate to nearly double their adoption rates of advanced data architecture, advanced analytics, and RPA, robotics process automation, over the next two to three years. They have more than 86, 80% have a, a mature strategy in place. So how are you seeing companies do this? Is this a work in progress that's taken years to get to this point, Nilly? Is there an excitement about, wow, we're going to be adopting all of these new technologies and we will have intelligent finance? What, what's the point of view from Hackett's research? 
Well, um, we see a couple of things. We see that, as, as you were mentioning, our data shows that current adoption of some of the more advanced technologies is still not very broad. Um, for example, for advanced analytics, we saw in our 2019 Kishu study, 13% of finance executives said they have fully embraced it. But that doesn't mean that exciting stuff is not happening. I think there's a lot of excitement. You have to eventually develop a mature digital strategy because all of these projects that you may be launching need to be coordinated in order to be effective. But you don't have to wait until that maturity level reaches 80%, which we expect in two to three years from about 45% right now. You don't have to wait. You can start right away by launching pilots and more targeted solutions for analytics, uh, for robotics, for cognitive, where you get a quick return and you show that you can solve a business problem. And really, mm -hmm. to Jason's point, that's the main thing. If you can show that you can solve a problem for the business, with these new technologies, you've got to win. And the more wins you have, the more likely you are to broaden your adoption as an organization and as a finance function of some of these new tools. Thank you. Jason White, join us. What do you think about this planning about the forward-moving energy and the adoption rates? Agree or disagree with what Nelly shared? Yeah, I think... Uh... <clears throat> I think I agree. I mean, it's uh, there's there's a lot of technologies that that we've talked about here. You know, uh, robotic process automation. Um, so kind of automating, you know, what would normally be uh, a bunch of screen clicks. You know, being able to have software kind of do those kind of screen clicks for you and to to do you know automate a menial task. Some of those technologies are, are somewhat new, uh, and so there's probably not as much adoption rate on robotic process automation. Um, other areas, though, like uh, predictive automation as it, as it uh, relates to analytics, some of those machine learning uh, mathematical functions have been around for 20, 30, 40 years. Um, so, so some of these, these things have been around for a while, but um, many users just haven't had an, uh, a very easy-to-use interface to ask their business questions and then get... Um, the results back, uh, so you know, to, to make better decisions. So I think um, in certain areas we're, we're seeing a lot more, a little bit faster adoption on the augmented analytics or predictive automation for analytics. And other areas that are more newer emerging technologies, um, those are probably going a little bit slower in terms of adoption. Um, but start, yeah, I mean, like like. Um, like was mentioned, I mean, just start start with something. You know, predictive automation is a great place. Um, you, you don't want to spend hours fiddling with a spreadsheet, and you don't want to spend hours trying to, to solve a business question by building visualizations. Let the algorithm uh, scan your data for you um, and tell you if, if the data is even telling the story properly. And if it is, uh, give you the insights that you need to uh, to make a, a, a better decision. So, um, so yeah. So I think there's areas where you can start and get quick wins, and then other areas that you can start to um, broaden your your creativity on ways that you can kind of solve problems. 
using like robotic process automation or artificial intelligence. Jason, I'm looking at your your notes here. Here's a very provocative statement you sent me, and, and let's see if we can talk about this. You say finance in some more progressive companies must act like marketing. I have never heard this before, and I have a feeling some of our listeners are saying, wait a minute, are you serious? So, Jason, wait, I'm not even going to read the rest of, of what you're talking about here. Why don't you give us the story, and then we'll have Nilly respond to that. Go ahead. Right. So, you know, um, you look at companies like uh, Research in Motion who, who, you know, created the BlackBerry. You know, we, we used to call that the CrackBerry, um, <laughs> you know, because it, it was kind of like the, the predecessor of the, the iPhone addiction problem that we're facing today with our kids. But, uh, you know, they had a lot of growth in 2003 to 2008. And, you know, if they were to, to go in and, and use... Uh, some techniques to, to forecast their growth, they would see that their growth was just going to keep going. Um, but one of the things that uh, that marketing does that that finance should also do is to consider the demand. Um, as Apple came out with the iPhone, the the dynamics of the demand for uh, the BlackBerry or CrackBerry kind of changed. And um, you know, as finance organization. You know, you have to be on top of what what is impacting demand. You you, you can't just be a number pusher. You have to. Th- there has to be some empathy. You have to know your mm-hmm. customer. You have to know your supply chain. You have to know what affects your business and your demand, and apply that thinking into how you're, um, you know, how how you're advising your executives and and challenging their assumptions of what demand is. Uh, I think, you know, if if BlackBerry could have, uh, if they could have pivoted quicker or been a little more open to uh, what Apple was doing and how that was impacting the demand, Mm -hmm. you know, it's possible that they could have maybe turned things around. Maybe not, you know, but, you know, at least they would have had a chance. Um, So so then that that kind of brings up the other area, which is it's it's not just knowing the demand, but you also have to be uh, able to, uh, react with agility. So that that's the other aspect is that um, by knowing your business, you'll know the areas where you're able to act with agility and the areas that you're not able to act with agility. Um, so as demand changes, you, you, you know, of course, you want everywhere to be able to act with agility, but um, being ready for those types of um, downturns or downturn in demand, um, as you get ready for those and you're ready for those ahead of time, that's how companies survive, and then they, they are able to reinvent their business models based on the changing demands of the consumer. Interesting. Nilly, I'd love for you to respond. I'm still stuck on the statement that preceded very interesting information Jason White just shared with us. Finance in some more progressive companies must act like marketing. What do you think about his insights? Do you agree or disagree, Nilly? I agree um, there, um, in a couple of ways. In some, in some ways, we... Maybe with two perspectives. So one perspective is that um, a lot of companies have invested their digital dollars in front-facing functions like marketing. So marketing has become a more digitized function, and finance needs to um, get the investment from senior executives and make them understand that there's great value in arming finance with the same kind of tool set 
um, so it can be more intelligent. So it can, to Jason's comments, be more mindful of demand changes outside. But I also think that design thinking approach that a lot of marketing organizations take is very applicable, becoming more and more applicable to finance, also with regard to its internal customers, its internal constituents. What do they need? How are their needs changing? How fast do they need to make decisions? So what is the cycle for decision support? It's much shorter today than it used to be. Things need to be done yesterday. And the only way to do that is to deploy technologies like predictive analytics. So I think it's also about designing the service offering to internal stakeholders in a way that's more customer-oriented and understanding their needs better um, and applying technolo- using technology to support those needs, for example, greater need for fast, relevant insight uh, as mm. soon as you need it as a manager. Thank you, Nelly. Very, very interesting what you mentioned. Um, I, and let me get both of you in on this. We're finding, we're seeing when we look at, on, on all of our Game Changers radio shows across the different theme series we have, we often talk about the fact that it used to be bring your own device to work. Well, now it's people in companies expect to have consumer-grade applications, consumer-grade hardware, consumer-grade uh, software at its basic level of software, meaning the the core of the applications, so that it's easy to use, that has an easy interface, that it works, that it doesn't waste their time. So is let me just ask uh, Jason first and then Nilly, is this in, in the Office of Finance, the stuff they're doing, the programs, have to be very complicated. The dashboards, just because you have disruptive technologies and they're streamlining the process through all of these new technologies, doesn't mean there's not a lot going on behind the scenes. So is is finance able to adopt technologies that do make their workers, quote-unquote, happy to go to work? Jason, what are you seeing? Well, you know... I'm I'm kind of lazy by nature, and uh, <laughs> it's it's a good thing and a bad thing. Okay. So you know, I, I don't I don't really like um, doing things the hard way. And uh, if I can, you know, I'll I'll invent new ways of doing things just to make it easier um, on myself. But uh, when we think about the um, kind of the new opportunities to leverage things like you know machine learning or predictive automation. Mm-hmm. Uh, artificial intelligence or um, robotic process automation. Uh, at the end of the day, it's about you know taking menial tasks and, and making it more simple, and and that should excite everybody, right? Nobody wants to get stuck doing the job that uh, nobody else wants to do, or you know yeah. that just fills your your forty hour work week. You you want to be doing you, you want to be kind of a multiplier and find new ways to do things. And, and if the more familiar you are with these, these other techniques, um, things like, uh, you know, matching invoices to payments, okay? Nobody wants to sit there and, and that's their job where they, they, they have 100 invoices come in or 1,000 and they got to go in and manually match the invoice to the payment of the customer. But, you know, there, there's ways to automate that now. So you hit a button and then 95% of your invoices are matched to the payments using machine learning and, and, you know, a computer that can kind of do all that for you that can look at five different systems all at one time 
and do these matches. And then you just spend your time on that 5%, and then you move on with more strategic tasks that actually add value. So, um, you know, there's it's much more fun to, to hit the button and, and watch mm-hmm. all the computer do all the work for you. Yep. Uh, and, and then and then you're adding value by providing new ideas um, so you can spend time thinking more cerebral about uh, your impact to the organization. Very interesting. Very interesting at the word fun. Nelly, I think we've talked about this in the past. Do you, do you dare put fun and finance in the same sentence? I, I once had a friend of mine who was a CPA come on one of my early radio shows back in the day at WGBB on Long Island, and I said to him, we drove through a terrible rainstorm to get to the station. It was a horror, but I, I had to do a live show. And I said, you want to come along for the ride? I'd feel safer with somebody in the car. So he came with me, and I said, would you like to do some opening jokes before we left? before we left where we were coming from? And he said, I'm a CPA. You want me to be funny? And I said, do your best. And he came, he brought a, a list of jokes that he thought were funny. And I'm sitting there, my engineer is sitting there, we're saying, no, <laughs> no, no, just not. So I'm sorry, Jason, I'm picking up on the on the word fun. Nilly, is it possible that, that finance apps, all of these exciting technologies, Internet of Things and, and RPA and, and predictive and these really cool dashboards and the AI algorithms and the bots, is it possible that, that the Office of Finance could really turn around and say to their families, I'm going to work today and I'm going to have fun being in finance. Nilly, is, is that already here? I'm not sure it's already here, but we're getting there, and I think it would be perfectly appropriate to think of finance work as fun work for some of the reasons that Jason outlined. There's going to be a redeployment of capacity from manual, repetitive grunt work, um, if you want to call it that, into a lot more thoughtful interesting cerebral work uh, where mm. you're coming up with new solutions and pro- solving problems. And solving problems, for me anyway, is a lot of fun. And I know uh, it's a lot of fun for other people. It's a very satisfying experience that requires critical thinking. So I think yeah. definitely finance can be fun. Um, to your very early point that you made in the opening monologue, mm-hmm. the opening paragraph, um, about the scare, uh, the scariness that some people, the fear some people have that finance will be ran by robots. Yes. Um, in the future, there is some truth to that and, and a fallacy as well. And that has to do with the redeployment of capacity. Um, we did some research recently and we looked at how many people in finance on, on average you would need to do the same work you're doing today as a finance organization in the future, in a finance organization of the future. And we actually calculated, and that's based on some estimates that are, you know, not exactly empirical, but very good guesswork based on our data, mm-hmm. that you're going to see basically half of the finance jobs today disappearing in in the future, but that is, that's based on the emphasis should be on the current work. So the current work will be more automated using robotics and other automation, intelligent automation. But what's going to happen is that the load of work, the amount of work is going to exponentially expand 
as finance keeps playing and, gro- and, and grows in its role as a trusted advisor to senior management, they will do different things and more things that mm-hmm. they weren't able to do before. So I think there's some truth that some jobs will disappear, but I yeah. think the jobs that will reappear and, and, or expand are going to be the fun jobs. Thank you. Very interesting. I googled, uh, will financial jobs be replaced by robots and AI? And, and there are so many articles. Quora, of course, has one. And there's an article at futurism.com. Experts answer who is actually going to suffer from automation. Here's one on Mercury News. AI will wipe out half the banking jobs in a decade. Here's one, uh, fool.com. The Motley Fool, nine jobs being taken over by robots. Here's another one on The Guardian from 2017. What jobs will still be around in 20 years? Here's one on Forbes from May 2018, a year ago. Cancel post. The robots are coming to corporate finance. Very interesting. I think we need a whole show on that, Nilly. And I'll be in touch with you on that because I have a new series that's launching soon. So, Nilly and Jason, I think you can come on and talk with me about that. But we'll leave that for another time. Very interesting. We've got five minutes left. I've really enjoyed this conversation. I hope both of you have. I'm always very honored to speak with smart, savvy people like the two of you because I learn so much, and I know our audience does. By the way, Jason may not know this, but Financial Excellence with Game Changers is one of our longest-running series in the Game Changers family of shows presented and sponsored by SAP, and we have a very large global audience that really looks forward to hearing from smart people like you and Nilly, so we're very happy to have you here today. So now let's put on our crystal ball thinking caps or something, some kind of headgear that's going to point us in the future. We can talk about robots, we can talk about jobs getting better or more fun or not, or the changes to the office of the CFO. Nilia Sadies, I'm going to start with you. I can give you, oh, let's say 90 seconds for your prediction. Nilly, between now and 2025, what do you predict, either based on your own professional view of the world of finance and or what the Hackett research shows? Nilia Sadies, 90 seconds, predictions, go. 90 seconds is more than usual, so thank you. I know, I know. Um, <laughs> I appreciate that. So what I see and what we see is that these forces that we're talking about that are forcing finance to become more intelligent, for example, the introduction of disruptive technology, um, unpredictability in the business landscape, the fast pace of change, all these will not abate anytime soon, if anything, they're going to get more potent. So it's imperative that finance evolves into a more intelligent function. Um, so we see, uh, foresee that finance will be much more aggressive in its adoption of technologies mm-hmm. like RPA and AI. And um, it's also, um, beca- it's going to become more digital in its um, in that that it will adopt thinking that is different thinking. So we expect finance to become more like marketing, to Jason's point, and use design thinking and consider its customers' needs and demands when it is when it built its service delivery model and extract intelligence from processes and identify patterns in very large amounts of data. So it can be that predictive force. So it can be that enabler of enterprise performance. We anticipate that um, that's going to happen um, maybe by 2025. We're certainly going to see massive change 
And I don't even know how to imagine, to some extent, um, the difference that we're going to see between today and, and a decade from now, because technologies are evolving so fast, the world is changing so fast, so we don't really know what's coming up. We just have some estimates, some guesstimates. Nelly, thank you. I want to give Jason a chance to give us his prediction. Jason, I could squeeze 90 seconds if you talk fast. If you want to talk slow, you got 60. Go ahead. <laughs> uh, well, you, know, you, got, you got two types <coughs> Excuse of people. Me. You got hard workers and you got, you got people uh, like myself that uh, uh, try to do more with less. And uh, if, if you're the second kind of person... Uh, Counterintuitively, I think you're going to have a job for a long time. Um, nobody's going to automate your job. If you can, if you can do more with less, you're going to be fine. Um, if, if you're spending time uh, doing hard work and uh, but things that add no value, then then you're you're probably um, you're probably going to you know be worried about your job. So um, you know when we talk about uh, automation and, and how that's going to impact the future workforce, um, there really isn't anything to that you need to worry about if you're uh, if you're keeping up on the, these new techniques and um, you're uh, interested in kind of automating uh, some of the meaningless stuff and, and really kind of focusing on adding value and business outcomes, leveraging things like predictive automation and artificial intelligence and robotic process automation. Um, you know, get get the get the speed on those technologies and and your your future you know will be bright. Thank you very much. I like Bright Future. It's time to do some shout-outs here. Thank you again to Diana Heim, Chris Grundy, Birgit Starmans at SAP for sponsoring. This is the eighth season of Financial Excellence with Game Changers. Thrilled to bring you this information. And thank you to our new engineer today, Len. I don't have a last name, but I'm very happy to say thank you. You did a great job. Len Novin, we got a last name here. The wonders of Skype business chat windows. What can I tell you? Len Novin, thank you so much. And a shout out to our usual engineer, Aaron Keller at the Business Channel. We're also very happy to work with him. And here is my call to action. It's time. Fasten your seatbelt. What are you waiting for? Go out and be a game changer today. Yes, even if you're working in finance or that's where you aspire to have your career for the first time or you're coming back. Just like my special guest today, Nilia Sadies at the Hackett Group and Jason White at SAP. Go out and be a game changer today. Bonnie D. Graham signing off. Have a great one. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to Financial Excellence with Game Changers, presented by SAP, helping you to run simple. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to hashtag SAPRADIO. And join host Bonnie D. Graham Tuesdays at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 noon Eastern Time, here on the Business Channel, wishing you a game-changing week.